Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast. It is the morning of Saturday, December 10th, and it feels weird to not be getting ready for a game. But of course, still plenty of subplots in here in the transfer portal madness. Paul Strelo and I covering plenty of juicy topics this weekend at TigerIllustrated.com. Never a better time to join than right now. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold based in Greenville. They are Clemson people, and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse, and neglect car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith and Archenhold, Call 864-990-4581 or online at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. Football season is grilling season, and Jack Oliver's Pool Spa and Patio is South Carolina's premier source for the big three. Weber, Traeger, and Big Green Egg Grills. Blackstone Griddles, too. I'm Jack Oliver. Grill all your tailgate favorites to perfection with a premium gas, charcoal, or pellet grill, then top it all off with something sizzling from your Blackstone Griddle. For grills, griddles, patio furniture, hot tubs, and saunas, shop in store or online at Jack Oliver's Pool Spa and Patio, Forest Drive in Columbia, and jackoliverpools.com. I'm Josh Burrell, receiver and running back for the Florida State Seminoles. When I'm back home in the Midlands, I enjoy grilling and relaxing with my family, and we get everything we need from Jack Oliver's pool, spa, and patio. Thanks, Josh. I'm Jack Oliver, and we proudly offer the Big Green Egg, Weber, and Traeger Grills, Blackstone Griddles, and beautiful patio furniture, too. We're located at 3303 Forest Drive in Columbia and online at jackoliverpools.com, and we deliver. Very good people. Go see them today. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm Smith & Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-35. Okay, to our guest, you know, Debo Sweeney, pretty good at this coaching thing. He and his wife, Kathleen, have also done a splendid job of raising children. Here's the oldest, Will Sweeney. Always love catching up with him. Here we go. All right, joined again by Will Sweeney. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. You know, I I was looking, uh, I was curious... Uh, the last time you came on, I'm like, oh yeah, that was, uh, I guess that was maybe like July or August. And then I look and I'm like, that was March of last year. It's crazy, man. <laughs> time freaking flies. scary to think about it. Sure does. That's crazy. Um, so I just, I just now pulled up your, your LinkedIn and you're in Charlotte now. 
Well, so I'm actually living in Greenville and I'm working uh, for a company in Charlotte. I'm kind of doing hybrid. I'm usually up there in the office a couple of days a week and then I'm uh, remote the other days and kind of been doing some traveling as well. But uh, working for Pavilion Properties, Pavilion Development Company, and uh, we do commercial real estate, kind of single tenant, build to suit developers, um, work with a lot of fast food restaurants, some auto repair stores. So, yeah, it's been really good. Started right after I finished my MBA in August and uh, learning a ton right now and just very thankful for the opportunity has been really fun that is really cool and kind of familiar given that your, t- your dad was in commercial <laughs> real estate yeah there are some similarities there yeah it's funny but uh i think you know my dad he was he was more um on the shopping center side that that was kind of but it was still commercial real estate and we're kind of more uh we usually do a little bit smaller deals and that kind of work with just single tenants but um but yeah it is funny that we both did a little bit of commercial real estate so tell me like try to get put into layman's terms for the average yeah. person, like the, an understandable uh, sort of accounting of like, what do you do every day? Like the main, the main thing you mentioned. Yeah, that's, no, yeah, that's a great question. Cause you know, like half these titles you see in the corporate world, you're like, all right, what does that even mean? <laughs> what does that really mean? <laughs> yeah, like, it's not you know, like just, running back or wide receiver. <laughs> right. Right. It's just that people just, you know, you got to put a, make a bunch of words up, but no, kind of what I, so my title is development marketing manager, but, um, so it kind of starts off. I'm really focused on new client procurement. So kind of like, and now I'm in a much better space because I know exactly the type of clients that we like to work with. And I'm kind of trying to identify those people and convincing them to come work with us. So trying to find new clients to work with. And then I'm helping a lot with existing clients in the land acquisition space. So kind of just, you know, they'll say trade areas or markets that they want to be and kind of spending a lot of time working with brokers or kind of just spending a lot of time on Google Earth and stuff, just kind of trying to, to find areas that might work for them and just, um, things that work out with the numbers wise uh just kind of do budgets and stuff and um and then other than that just kind of assisting uh any projects that we have we have a bunch of different special projects that work as well so kind of i kind of have my hands in a lot of things but i would say those are two very um um things that kind of easy to talk about in layman's terms just kind of helping find new clients and then kind of helping find a land for existing clients to go on and you had an internship with Lion J uh, last yeah. last I guess winter and and spring uh, with with JKJ. Is it did were you doing similar stuff then to what you're doing yeah, now? Yeah, so that was more so that was residential, and it was so we were doing. Uh, he does a lot of like single family homes, like neighborhoods and some uh, town homes as well. So that's kind of what they develop for. So I was, yeah, kind of similar things. I was working with uh, brokers and I mean, I was kind of, I was kind of in the early stages. I was just an intern then. So I wasn't doing quite as much, but uh, so it was, that was more residential. This is just more commercial um, development. Does it require salesmanship? Um, yeah, I mean, I think honestly, any job does to a degree. I mean, actually, as a matter of fact, yesterday, we just had, we had went through a little uh, pitch deck kind of why pavilion to one of our, uh, which client we're trying to work with and it went well and everything. So, I mean, I think, you know, in a lot of businesses, I think, uh, actually my boss, he told me early on he kind of said two rules of business, which I thought made a lot of sense that I liked. He said, the first rule is people do business with people they like. The mm-hmm. second rule is that you have to be able to back it up, which I think was really cool. I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, you got to, you know, you got to treat people well and you got to get those strong relationships and that's all very important, but you also got to execute on what you say you're going to do and come through. And that's how you build a uh, credibility and trustworthiness and all that. So I just thought those are kind of two uh, good ro- rules of business. And so I think, yeah, I think sales is a big part of it kind of. 
even though your dad was in a, like you said, commercial, which is different from what you're doing, what are the common threads? I'm assuming that that salesmanship is a common thread and maybe some yeah. wisdom he's been able to to impart from his experience. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, I was, I mean, cause really, I never really talked to him too much. I vaguely remember him having that job, but it's not really something we ever talked about too much growing up, but it's kind of, we've had some fun conversations kind of just about real estate now. And, uh, and it's, and it's, it's funny. Cause like, I feel like the biggest learning curve is just, it's kind of like anything, you know, it's its own language. It's just like, if you're doing football or just like you're going into the medical field or anything, like, like I swear half of the things in this field in real estate are abbreviated. Like I'm hearing just letters together all the time. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay. So I, I feel like I spent a ton of time, like I'll hear something and then I just Google it and write down the meaning real quick. So I could just, but it's, it's been good though. I've learned a lot that way. And I think just a lot of the overall terminology, uh, he, he kind of, he remembers probably most of it too. And, and just, you know, he's, he's done stuff individually with real estate as well. So he, my dad has a good understanding and knowledge of that. So he's definitely been able to help me with just some of the terminology and everything. So that's kind of a fun conversations to have. Are you a note taker? Like he has always been. Yeah, I am a note taker. I think it's obviously it's very important and kind of, you know, the saying goes like when you write it down on a paper, it's like you're writing it down in your brain. Um, I'm probably not. I I think I'm probably a little more uh, 21st century than he is when it comes to (laughs) like taking it because I mean, he literally like. And he just, if you go to his office, he just has, he literally has his meeting notes from 1995 versus, versus Mississippi state, like his receiver, <laughs> like it's great. Like he, he has every single note kept. Whereas me, you know, I'm not a, as against like just going on to a Google doc and typing some things, <laughs> but, but I certainly see the value in it. And I do like, especially when I was in meetings of football and, and even now, like I'll still will take a lot of notes by hand, but I don't think I'm quite to the degree that he is on that. I mean, he's mentioned, I guess when y'all moved from Country Walk, like he, I guess he had, a, he has boxes and boxes and boxes of just notes from, from his, <laughs> yeah, from his he, life. He really does. Yeah. I mean, it's, and I need to go back through it more because like he'll always say it and, and, but I have seen some, um, some in the past, but I need to like test him on it. Cause I mean, he, he still claims like every single Friday night speech, for instance, he's done since he's been the head coach. He has every single one written out. And, uh, but I think it does end up being helpful for him. Cause every year, like when he's playing up, like if we're playing Georgia tech again, like he'll look at the past couple of years and see what speech he gave then and kind of see what can relate to now. So, so it is cool for him to be able to pull back on a lot of that, um, prior experience and wisdom that he's had in the past. It's interesting you mentioned he's written out all of his speeches, but he is one of the best off the cuff or seemingly yeah. off the cuff. Like he he never looks like anything is really prepared, and he's just <laughs> so good at at just talking. <laughs> yeah, he, it just he seems is, spontaneous. It, it and a lot, a lot of the time it is spontaneous. Um, he does though. Like like with his Friday night speeches and then kind of his team meetings throughout the week, he'll prepare those. I mean, he still doesn't like write down every word, but he'll have his main points and he and he writes it all out each week. It's kind of just the routine he's gotten into his pregame speech as well. But I mean, he's the same, but in the same, uh, he's the same type of person that could just show up somewhere and somebody's like, oh, you're giving a speech and he didn't even know, but he'll just go up there and do it. I mean, I think he, I think when you do it that long and you know he has such a I mean, he just, he could give you a quote for days. So, I mean, he, he has a lot of things he can say, obviously. So he is good off the cuff for sure, but he also prepares a lot for his Friday night meetings. So he wants to make very targeted and specific uh, points, I think. Even he has said, you know, the most fired up team doesn't win the game. 
right? Like, yeah. so I'm curious from your observations, his speeches, you know, obviously it's not just a hundred percent, let's go kick their butts and get yeah. pumped up. There, there's a lot of thought to it. What, how do you sort of analyze that balance of, of the, yeah. the necessary motivational type things with the sort of more, I guess, cerebral type stuff, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, well, I think that's a perfect word that you just used is that it is a balance. And I think a lot of the times uh, that's kind of been Coach Batson's job. It's like right before my dad gets in there, Coach Batson will just give like the most epic like rant, just <laughs> get you all fired up. And then, then my dad will come in right after him and be like, all right, Lord's Prayer, do the Lord's Prayer. And then he kind of will bring it back in. But usually somewhere in the middle of my dad's speeches, he'll like kind of like his voice start getting louder and he'll start like kind of firing you it up. But then like it kind of comes back down to earth. I mean, and they're not all the same, obviously, but I think there is a balance because you don't win strictly on emotion, but you certainly have to have it to uh, to go out there and, you know, play physical. I mean, it helps a lot. So I, there is just like you said, there's a balance. I think uh, Batson or, or any of the other guys like uh, sometimes I've had Greenlee recently or Hogan or uh, some other men last year that they, they've given some good speeches before the games. But I think my dad usually – uh, sometimes more than others, but it's usually a blend of kind of getting you fired up and also like, all right, that's what you got to do. You got to execute your job, all those type of things. The one that pops into my head is the one that uh, from his first game as interim coach before Georgia Tech, when he said, he said, uh, an underdog in Death Valley, that's terrible or something <laughs> or, or embarrassing or something like that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think that's deep in the cobwebs of my brain. <laughs> you just, you just activated a memory. I, I can, I can vaguely remember that now. That's funny. That's What's the awesome. best one or the most memorable speech, yeah. whether pregame or Friday night that you can remember? Oh, you know, usually that, that's a, it's a hard question. You get put on the spot like that, but thankfully I just had something pop in my head. So I, I, and this is kind of for other reasons, but it was um, 2018 national championship, right? So we're playing at Bama and that was kind of the year um, all year. We were talking about like Rocky, uh, the movie Rocky. I'm, I'm sure you've probably seen yeah. those. And, uh, my, and my dad made sure we all watched all six as it well five as a kid. And they came out with the six, but so it was, and it really was crazy how it kind of paralleled. Cause he, he kind of compared it to, uh, so he compared the first year to being like Rocky one when, um, <laughs> when, when like, it was like, we beat Bama or whatever. And we, and like, so like whenever Rocky beat Apollo, right. Apollo Creed. And then finally, well, the first, the first year is 2015 when he like, he didn't win, but it was still kind of a win because we knew we could compete at that level. But anyways, he finally beats Apollo, and and it's like, man, like he's like, you know, he's feeling good. He's getting the taking the photos or the magazines <laughs> and things like that. Well, then Apollo comes back and and be, well, no, 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 it's the Russian. That well, that he was the fourth. I'm trying okay, to I'm sorry. I've seen these. I know, I know what I'm saying now. So, Mr. T came and <laughs> beat right. him in the first part of that movie and in uh, Rocky Three, right? So, yes. he was comparing when we got when he got beat to when we got beat in the Sugar Bowl the year before, which was my freshman season versus Alabama. They kind of just and you know, we had a good team in 2017. Uh, we lost the one game up at Syracuse, so no, Kelly got hurt early. But um, I bet Syracuse, I mean, they didn't have a good season that year. So that was a bad loss. But still finished number one in the country in the regular season. Well, then we go in the Alabama game and they just, I mean, they, our defense played pretty well that game, but couldn't get anything going offensively. We got beat 24-6, just made two field goals. Um, and we we really just got punched in the mouth. So he kind of used that whole offseason about, hey, we got to get the eye of the Tiger back. You know, we got to. 
we like every workout we do, like it's got to get that edge. You know, he said that that 2016 team was hungry for it. It felt like last year we were just kind of a little bit, a little bit satisfied, just not quite as hungry to go win a national title kind of because we had just done it the year before. Um, well, so that was kind of the thing all, all year. 2018 was like, Hey, we're going to be like Rocky three. Cause that's what happened in the Rocky movie. If you've seen that movie, you know, he got a, he moves out to like California, I think, and he just trains and he's, it's all about getting his eye of the tiger back. Got to get the eye of the tiger back rock as they kept telling him. Well, so we, we end up having an amazing year, obviously in 2018 and we just are killing everybody. Well, the night before the Alabama game, we go and see Rocky three. Uh, and I think we had actually, cause and obviously it was a surprise cause we voted on some other movie cause that movie's not even out, but my dad had like brought a DVD or gave it to Dooley and they, uh, <laughs> they put it in. Well, and it, but it ended up being, I mean, it was awesome and it was very relatable, but anyways, long story short, um, after, at the end of the speech or whatever, and I really can't remember what was said in the speech before the national championship, but as we get up, they said, Hey, uh, hit it. And they start blaring eye the tiger as we walk out <laughs> of the locker room. And, and for it's like, sometimes you could say like, Oh, cause I think they did it a few times the next year and it didn't have the same quite effect. Like, it was, but, but in that moment, it was pretty sick. It was like, wow, like you're walking out to go play the national title against the team that just killed us a year before. What are we going to go do to them now? And it kind of, <laughs> it really played out how that Rocky three played out. He went out and beat Mr. T and we just went out and absolutely crushed Alabama. And obviously that team, I mean, had as much just relentlessness and eye the tiger as any Clemson team or hang near any college football team in history. So it's kind of cool how that <laughs> parallel played out, you know? Did he call your mom Adrian after the game? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, that was, that, you know he missed out on the opportunity. That. that would have been pretty good. I'll never oh, forget man. late that night after all the interviews had been done and everybody, almost everybody's gone. I was about to leave and and then I see just y- y'all, your family, out on the out on the field doing doing confetti angels. That was one of the indelible memories that I'll. I'll, I'll I'll have decades from now. Yeah, really cool. No, that is cool. And we have a few photos from that too. That was just, man, that was a really, really fun night. And that's something that we, you know, will always carry with us. I mean, it was, you know, 2016 was definitely probably the most overall emotional national championship win for just obvious reasons. But that 2018, I mean, you just, you know, and I think we're still feeling today, just like you, you, it's still starting to hit you more and more just how special that was. Like, I mean, it just, I mean, we literally, the last 10 games won every single game by at least 20 points or more. I mean, it was just truly incredible what that team accomplished. And then it was really cool for me to be able to just um, actually, you know, be, it was, I mean, I loved it my senior year of high school when we won in 2016, but just being on the team, playing in the game and just kind of playing my role and helping and helping the team get there. I mean, it was just really, really cool um, what, what all the guys came together to accomplish that year. Speaking of, you mentioned 17 and the loss at Syracuse. I was just, uh, I had Nolan Turner on here a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, I, I, saw, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, he was awesome. really good. What a, what a, what a yeah. great guy. Uh, just so impressive. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I asked him, what's the maddest he ever saw your dad? <clears throat> and he just bust out laughing and says, oh, that's easy. And he said <laughs> it was after Tanner Muse, his little celebration thing. I get, he had a fumble recovery for a touchdown. Yeah, and yeah, then he he acted exactly he acted right. like he was he cracked open a beer, and then he acted like he's drinking and and what drew the penalty was him like wiping off his mouth, uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and oh, 
Oh, Nolan God. said that. I mean, Nolan hadn't played to that point. And right. and it's all of a sudden is Nolan get in there and I don't think Tanner played another snap, yeah. but he said in the locker room after the game it was just <laughs> he went he just tore uh, Tanner a new one. It, it, that was definitely probably the correct answer that Nolan said. Um, well, second to when he used to get mad at our Orange Crush baseball team back in the day. Those <laughs> the, we we got it. I still say we got it the worst compared to. Like, I don't know what it was, but he was a tough coach on us. But it made us better. Um, but no, that that um, and even more so is the Monday meeting after that because I remember we had a bye week the following week so it was kind of like even worse like you just have to sit on that loss but i remember that monday meeting was was very rough and i think we had a few guys that missed a tutor or something just like some several issues have kind of all culminated into that and and i know that, yeah because since tanner got that unsportsmanlike penalty that wasn't that wasn't good either um he was really upset about that and then i actually think later that week it was the same week when like a video broke on, I don't know if it was TMZ or bars at stool or something, but there's a couple of the guys that were kind of just horsing around in the locker room and they were like fighting with punching gloves. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Somehow like a trainer, a manager, like put it on their Snapchat, the video went viral. And so that was a whole nother thing. So that week was kind of just a comedy of errors. I, I, I vividly remember that. That was, that was one of the rougher ones for sure. So another one of the rougher ones was last week. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> the uh, what what and your dad shared this. Um, I guess early in the week after the South Carolina game, that he had a meeting, a, 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 an extreme rarity of every single person in the football office. Who I mean, secretaries, everybody comes to the meeting, and then he goes through like twenty or I guess every play, and basically, yeah. Uh, singles out whoever messed up. You know why'd you do it? You know this and that. Yeah. I, and I think Eric McLean said that or that only happened one other time. Um, he thinks it was after the thirteen South Carolina game when they had like the oh, you know, had like the six turnovers. Somebody somebody yeah. else said it might have been after the thirteen Florida State game when they came here. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. What uh. I mean, I'm assuming. I guess you wouldn't have been in the meeting either of those meetings. I guess right. Um, even- yeah, no, yeah. And, and he he did something similar to that too. Uh, after the Sugar Bowl in '17, the week after, we kind of went through a lot of those plays. But no, I, I mean, I wasn't obviously I wasn't in the meetings, but I I know exactly, I know exactly the situation, and it's like. You know, it, it's one of those things that, and thankfully, you know, we don't have to do that a lot. I mean, in a, in a negative way, usually it's just because I'm not every, every Monday meeting, those are the long meeting days of what I call it mental Monday. And you kind of put the game to bed and then you transition to do the next one. It's always about probably, I mean, close to four hours of meetings that day for players. So it's a lot of meetings. And, um, but, but what I was thinking about that is I think it's kind of a healthy thing to, uh, to an extent, extent, because, you know, it's, it's very easy. Like sometimes when you lose a game, like you have all your initial things, like why you lost or what went wrong, like, but you never can truly be, I mean, usually you can't be truly for sure until you actually watch the film and see and kind of know, just know the overall context of what was going on in the situation. And I think it's just really good. Cause it, I mean, I think he already said this, but I mean, you know, cause that, that way, you know, when you're on offense, well, you can actually see what went wrong on the defense. The defense can actually see why the offense wasn't working or then the special team. So at the, and then the, some of the secretaries, I guess they're in there. Cause like, you know, they get, they have friends too. And everybody's like, Oh, this is why you lost. 
well, let's actually see why we lost. And so I think it actually, um, thankfully, you know, you don't want to have to do that a lot, but I think every now and then, especially when you're dealing with just a lot of outside noise and criticism, that can be kind of a healthy uh, thing to do to just kind of get everybody in there and actually show like, no, this is what's real. This is what, what happened on each play. And now, you know, so I think, I, I think it's a smart thing to do. So this fall, I'm guessing if you have a full-time job and you're bouncing around traveling and you're in Charlotte a good bit, it was the only time you, you would just come to games, I guess. And, and you're not really around during the week much, I, I assume. Yeah, no. Yeah. It was, it was a lot different. So I'm living in Greenville and which has been great by the way. I think it's been a, it's been, it's been a good experience for me. I'm, I'm loving it. It's, it's an awesome town. I mean, every other night, like I'm, I feel like I'm trying a new restaurant. Wow. There's so many cool, cool places here. I mean, uh, a few more food options in Clemson, <laughs> but although Clemson did just get a couple more good ones. Uh, the walk, the walk-ons, uh, heard just open and, uh, and delicious sisters at the shepherd hotel. So there's some good stuff, but, um, Anyway, so yeah, yeah. So this season, I've kind of having uh, it was a lot different. I mean, that first game versus Georgia Tech. I mean, I, Will Spires was actually at that game too, and I remember I was down on the field with him during pregame, just kind of why. And we just felt like fish out of water. I mean, him and I had just played the last uh, sixty-nine games that Clemson been in. We had been playing, so it's like, I mean, that's just a really different thing. Um, but you know, it was a lot of fun. I will say, I mean, there were a few moments where. I, I kind of was like, man, this is actually a lot, lot less stressful. Here I am just watching an Alabama Texas game, eating a hot dog, and they're about to, they're about to run down. <laughs> so you know, there is, there's pros and cons, and then you also, but there are games where you're like, man, I want to be out there. Like you, you miss it. I mean, it's uh, very, you know, all those natural feelings that you get. But all in all, you know, it was a fun year, and uh, it's been fun doing something different, learning a different field, and still being there watching. Um, watching my brother, watching Drew play this year. He's like, he had a really good year. And so I was, that was fun as an older brother to be able to see that. And then just kind of a uh, support from a, uh, from afar. But now, so it was still a fun season, kind of had to figure it out. Like, I mean, I didn't even know, like I had to get my girlfriend to, to help me decide what to wear on some games. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I'm just used to Nick year and just saying, all right, you got your orange Jersey, you got your white Jersey or what? I mean, so I'm like, what do I even wear to Clemson games? I mean, cause before that, well, they would always just kind of give the coaches kids that were helping out on the sidelines, like just our, even the shirt and shorts that we would wear. So <laughs> this is honestly like the first year of my life. I had to pick out game day outfits, which is kind of funny uh, too, but no, it was a really good overall experience. I actually would, I, I did a, I did a pregame segment on the radio before each game with uh, Mark Childress and Daja Dial. And then I'd usually go up at halftime and do something with Quark. And uh, so that was kind of fun because they had asked me to do that beginning of the year. And I was like, yeah, give me something to do. Um, so that was cool too. So where do you sit? Um, that, that's another great question. So like, I mean, dude, I, I didn't realize how I didn't even know Memorial Stadium that well. I was like, Wait, we, have a, we have a box. Like I, cause literally, cause my grandparents usually are in the box. My mom's always in the stands, but it was, I think it was Louisiana tech at halftime. I was like, man, you know what? I might just go check out the box. Like I've never really seen it before. So I was like calling my grandmother. Little did I know it was on the away side of the stadium. So I, I finally found that. And uh, got, so I got to see that. I mean, but I wasn't there very often. I usually, I usually would start out like kind of outside the box and be on the field for some of the game. But then a lot of times I'd go up in the stands and sit with my mom and, and some other family members and stuff, uh, which was a, a different experience <laughs> being in the stands. I mean, it's kind of, it is a good view. Um, but I mean, it was still kind of, I, I don't I quite like it quite as much, but yeah. So I've kind of just been beat bopping around. 
So um, I have this image of you on the south side looking for your box before you discover it's on the other side and then having to wander, go to the, go over to the other side. Is that what happened? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was funny. So I, I learned a lot more about Memorial Stadium this year too. So your mom still chooses to sit in the stands. That's a... Um, yeah, I think it's pretty rare. Uh, now it seems like, I mean, I don't know everyone, but I don't think a lot of the coaches' wives do. I mean, you hear, I'm sure. I mean, there's always that crazy, at least one crazy dude with an earshot who's screaming <laughs> stuff about the play calling and this and that. But I guess you have to have thick skin if if you're the if you're the wife and and yeah. obviously also the son. Yeah, yeah. I mean, overall, um, I think I think it's helped. Like, because she's kind of been there like since 2003. So by this point, you know, it really is like. A lot of the fans around her, I mean, we, she knows a lot of them by now, and a lot of the people are are pretty good. I mean, I'm I'm sure there is every now and then, and she'll have to. I mean, she doesn't really. She usually just kind of just doesn't pay much attention to it. I mean, it's kind of just is what it is. But it's thankfully, you know, uh, I think as a whole, Clemson is a very, especially on game day, it's a much more friendly atmosphere than than a lot of schools. But I, but I mean, there's definitely, you know, you're definitely gonna have that in some areas. But the, where she is, I mean, she's around a lot of the other coaches' wives, and like I said, a lot of the people have been there many years in those seats, so it's usually not too bad for her. Where we sit uh, in the press box, it's like open air. So there's a bunch, there's fans right yeah. in front of us. And right. for the last, like last year, there was this, there was this guy who he would, you know, like four or five times a game, he would scream, Tony, what are you doing? He'd look up at the, up at the, <laughs> up at the coaches, like, Tony, oh, no. Tony, oh, yeah, come on, it, man, I, Tony. Oh, gosh. And so then I about died this year. I guess it was the Furman game. And they had like a three and out, and he goes, Brandon, <laughs> what are you doing, Brandon? I mean, it's oh, hilarious. Oh my gosh. Could, now, could they? Could the coaches hear that, or is theirs closed? I think theirs is closed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Probably for probably for good reason. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. Yeah. No, that that's funny. I, I still, you know, there's. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. Probably any game you go to, but I mean, and I will. I still say to this day that I think football is probably. Um, football fans are the biggest culprit of using 2020 hindsight vision of anyone in the, in the world. <laughs> I mean, it's everybody, you know, I mean, if the, if the run doesn't work, you should have passed it. If the pass yeah. doesn't work, you should have run it. And there's definitely, sometimes you can have merit behind these things, but, but I never, I, I lose, um, I, I think people lose credibility when every time the result doesn't end good, they say it's a bad play call because that's not the case a lot of the time. <laughs> a lot of times something could be a good play call and somebody might have just missed a block or something. I mean, so, so you know, you got to you gotta be – I think people need to be a little slower to speak sometimes and, and know what, what they're talking about before they're sure on saying something. <laughs> you, you're definitely a, a, a knowledgeable X's and O's uh, person. I mean, I think even before you got to Clemson, you were – uh, really sort of attuned to that part. Um, I actually thought for most of the season that Streeter, I was impressed with some of his wrinkles, um, some of the new things he introduced. Uh, and, you know, it, at some points when, when when the quarterback isn't playing well and the receivers aren't catching the ball, it's like I, you, you really can't do a whole lot. What what was your, I guess, sort of X's and O's take on, on the new – influence of Streeter and maybe some of the um the things that were sort of his own that he yeah and, and as he made this offense his 
Yeah, well, no, I mean, I think they definitely, like you said, added some good wrinkles coming into this year. Um, kind of just hearing from guys that were still there, like they were, they were excited, and there was, uh, I mean, you know, they they changed, they made some things simpler, kind of changed some terminology to make it make a little more sense. And uh, there's some good new third, some third down concepts that were added this year. A lot of new red zone concepts, which I think kind of did lead. I don't know where we finished up, but I know for the majority of this year we had very good red zone success. Um, so that was good too. So I think there were some good things added. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, you kind of you got to go through it by a game by game basis. But those first seven games, I mean, I know, there's always going to be some criticism about play calling and things. But the first seven games, it was only the third time in school history that the offense had scored 30 or more points. Now, it didn't always feel like that. I mean, I, and it was that, that was kind of why when I heard that, that I was like, man, wow. But. I was like, I mean, that at the end of the day, that is true. So you have to, when you know something like that, I mean, you have to know that you're doing some things right. So I think there are uh, reason to be encouraged. And I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the offense this year was better than the offense last year. So that's kind of, you kind of, I think it's usually good to kind of judge things on a year to year basis like that. Uh, kind of see if you got better or got worse or kind of say the same. But uh, so I think there were some good wrinkles and I think, you know, you kind of, Syracuse game obviously is when like we started to have some some issues in some areas then that game was usually was highlighted by turnovers as unfortunately several games were down the stretch I think Notre Dame was that was a tough one because you know I think while you wish you probably could have done more things offensively and I mean I'm sure and I think after the game the coaches said they wish they would have done some things differently I think you do do have to acknowledge the fact like it's that the win there was absolutely insane I was at that game and it sometimes is easier when you're watching on TV to say oh you should do this or do that but I mean there's a reason why Notre Dame couldn't throw the ball at all either that game I mean that was the win was probably as bad as I've seen at a Clemson game in my life and maybe I remember Blacksburg 2020 was pretty bad but I mean it was it was really strong. I mean, it was just hard to do much. So, I mean, you have, you have those, um, different little, you know, you gotta, you gotta take everything into context, but overall, I mean, I think there were good wrinkles. I think there's definitely areas to grow and improve upon, but you kind of gotta, you know, hopefully you get a system in there. That's kind of, kind of make it your own and then get the right players that you think are going to, um, execute at every level. When you see Cade come in last week and proceed to just, totally lift not just the offense up but the entire team sort of breathe new life into everything are you surprised mm-hmm. like what's your reaction in the moment yeah i wasn't uh i wasn't necessarily surprised when he came in there because i think the greatest his, probably his greatest attribute which i think our offense has always done a lot better when we play with a lot of tempo um and i think he does he just brings a ton of energy i mean he's just like a jackrabbit like he's just so that's just his personality. And then he's obviously extremely fast. I mean, he's probably as fast of a quarterback as we've had here. I mean, I, I've, he's really, really fast. And, uh, but he just, with the overall tempo and the rhythm he plays with. So I think, I mean, you know, cause even when, um, so when he came in that drive, like there was even, it wasn't like the, the play calling on that drive got way different or anything, but because there were some screens and stuff too, but I just think he did a good job in that moment of playing really fast and helping the offense do that. Um, and, and, you know, and also I think, you have to realize though, he's a different player now than he was in September. Yeah. I mean, it just, and, and that's to his credit because I mean, I know he didn't play as many game snaps as you know, a lot of times we've had backups play in the past, but you still practice four times a week. And I mean, when you're a kid like that, who he has the talent, I mean, his talent's unquestioned, um, you know, but he also has the work ethic and the want to, well, naturally you're going to be better after practicing about 48 times in the system and stuff. And then, you know, he had, he got a, 
got a few wounds along the way and some game experience. So I think, you know, I really feel like that ended up being his big moment. And um and he he took full advantage of it and there was a lot of credit to him and he was a great spark uh to the offense there's no doubt about it and I mean just to see how him and uh, DJ handled the whole situation and how they've been friends through it all like that's just it's really a special thing it's a very uncommon thing you don't you don't see that very often and in college football. I mean, it's just a hard thing. It goes against human nature, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure that most true Clemson fans will also feel forever um, grateful to DJ for how he handled everything because, you know, he, he dealt with, I mean, not just, I mean, obviously he dealt with just all types of issues and in terms of just like, you know, just fan criticism and then just like just a lot of things that were out of his control uh, to a certain extent in his life. And, you know, he, He's just handled everything with class and it's just such a great um, individual, hard worker, great leader. And just, I mean, everybody, that's why everybody has so much respect for him. And, you know, he's still, I mean, he has immense talent as well. And I think, you know, I think his decision right now of him transferring, I think that's going to be great for him to get a fresh start. Maybe, I don't know where he's going to go, but maybe going back closer to home or something. Cause he just, you know, he, he, I think it'd be really good for him to just go somewhere where, he can just like I said, just a fresh start and maybe not feel quite as much pressure to just like, you know, in every single thing, like every single throw, people living and dying by it kind of. So I, I still think he can be a really good player. So, I mean, and, and he's still at the end of the day, one Clemson, I think 21 games and starting quarterback. So I think it's important for people to appreciate what he did. And then even when you know, Cade came in in that AC championship game, standing there and cheering him on and being happy about winning a championship. And I think, you know, and I said also that, the quarterback position, that's the one that gets highlighted the most, but it's just like any other position, you know, if, if sometimes one person ends up playing better in a game than another and stuff, and like it ended up being that way this year to where it ended up not being quite as clear cut of a margin. And then you ended up going with Kate at the end and Kate did well, but they're still both a part of the team. Like you don't have to be the starting quarterback to be the guy that gets, you know, that, that is the reason like that, that gets everything. Like you're, you're still even as a backup, you're a valuable member of the team and DJ specifically, um, he, I, I don't think that they make it to the, we make Clemson makes it to the AC championship without him. I mean, his wake forest game was incredible. It was truly incredible. And Cade still had, um, still had a little bit of growing to do back then. So that's kind of, um, uh, I guess a holistic approach of, on the, of that situation. <laughs> yeah. I've heard, you know, the, like you said, the, the hindsight criticism is, Oh, he, you should have gone with Cade the whole time, meaning the whole season. And I just don't, that I, I never I never picked up from from folks uh, within the team this season. Um, nobody ever said, "Oh yeah, Cade's Cade right. looks better." Um, I think it was right. more of a late season thing where he, you know, um, you know, made them some natural progression, you know, natural improvement right. in practice and all that. And so I just I see it as like people the logic i guess I, th- I think it's flawed is oh if you put him in earlier in the season by the time the south carolina game comes around you, you win that game but w- i think also you probably don't win the wake forest game or yeah, the nc yeah. state game and maybe a couple others as well you think that's fair oh no exactly i mean i think that's great way to look at it and you know i think because you have to you know, and everybody always wants to talk about like, oh, it doesn't matter what happened in the past or anything. But I mean, I think the past is can be a good indicator of what a future decision, a future results. And I mean, if you look back at the program, 
um, the coaches, like they've made the tough decision when they've had to make tough decisions. Like, it's not like this is a program where they've just never done that. I mean, you look at, I mean, the, one of our national championship years, Trevor, I mean, Kelly Bryant, he had a, he actually had a really good year the year before, but I mean, it kind of just happened. And, and like you said, though, it wasn't the same situation as those two. And I know that's been said before, but it was, you know, this was uh, DJ was clearly the guy coming in in August. And, th- and there was, and I think everybody was on board with that too. Like that was a clear thing. And it, and it knew that both, and we were just felt blessed more than anything. And I had in Hunter Johnson to have a, a talented quarterback room, but you know, I mean, when you, when you look back at those seasons with Cole and Deshaun or, um, Kelly and Trevor, you know, it kind of, there was a moment where it happened, you know, and yeah. it's like, you don't, when you run a program, like it's, it's, it's easy for people to just say things should be done, but they also don't report to 200 people counting on them in a building. Like these are, these are real people, real, t- you're, you are leading a team, right? And you, like you, the draw at the end of the day goes to the winner. Now, not to say this, this wasn't really a draw at the beginning, but the draw, go, I mean, sorry, I didn't mean the draw goes to the winner. The draw goes to the, the previous champ or the older guy, the veteran. And it kind of has to have, you don't just like go on a whim and just make someone else a starter if they don't really go and earn it. And um, so, you know, I think, and I remember the Florida State game, that's kind of when that happened in 2014. Like this finally got to the point where like, okay, yeah, this one's like, and that was early. And uh, with Trevor, it happened, you know, because Kelly did good in that AM game, really good. But I remember he just, Trevor just kept coming. And it was never a knock on Kelly. But I, and I remember, like you said, there was a sentiment around that team where like, <laughs> when when Trevor Lawrence was out there on the field, there was just kind of a heightened like oh like on the amongst the defensive players like oh crap like <laughs> like because right? I mean I mean and that's just obvious he could make like it was just incredible the type of throws he could make, but this year it wasn't like that like it was I mean because they're both DJ and Cade they're they're kind of different quarterbacks but they both have five star talent which is why they were both five stars coming out and uh you know dj uh he he really did very well um early on this year and he just you know he had a rough game versus uh syracuse and then notre dame just was just tough from a holistic approach it wasn't really it wasn't fair to blame that on him but i think they came into that louisville game you know really needed to see him take that step forward and he did he played well versus louisville played well versus miami and then you know the south carolina game you end up losing but i mean i think people forget about that too is it wasn't like we were struggling that whole game but we had control of south carolina we were up 23 14 at halftime with dj just threw a beautiful touchdown to antonio and then we came up and we and we um gave up a touchdown but then we go down a score again to make it 30 21 so I think people do forget sometimes it wasn't like we were struggling all game for South Carolina. We actually had control for the majority of the game and unfortunately let it slip at the end. But, uh, you know, I think I think your uh, logic on it is very smart. And just kind of knowing the overall sentiment of the team and stuff that, yeah, it wasn't ever like there was some obvious thing that pe- like it, it wasn't like that at all. It wasn't it wasn't the same situation as with uh, Kelly or, Desha- or uh, Trevor Deshaun. And another thing that sort of gets washed away with the sort of revisionist uh, part of it is the the first half against Miami, DJ was magnificent. Um, I mean, yeah. he was he was sensational. And so it's not like you okay, you go back and and, and play. <laughs> money. Are you going to put Cade in in the second half? Like start the second half of that game? Like that that doesn't make it's sense. Just, it just it just it just it's just one of those things. And I know some some people you know you had your guy and stuff, but things have to have to happen. Like it, it has to happen. You know, you can't, you can't force things before they're ready. And there is an element too. I mean, and I don't know what would have happened, but 
but also sometimes like look you see it in the nfl all the time a guy could start before they're ready and they end up making a lot of mistakes and then they start to feel pressure and then they get a negative stigma around them. Whereas like when you can bring someone along and then they come in and they're ready and it makes a difference. So, I mean, there is an element of that too. Cause I mean, you know, it, I don't care how much of love the player currently is by fan base. They will. I mean, I think Kate said it in one of his interviews. He's like, I know all these fans that love me. Like, he's like, I know that I could, for a lot of them, they could quickly not like me if I didn't do good. I mean, that, and that's the truth. It's one of the, hard things about sports but so i think it's just that's a good mindset to have to just know that um you know it's always about just cut you can't ever get too high or too low and you just got to keep getting better each and every day but i think cade and the program's in a really really good spot he was spectacular in that ac championship and gives a lot of momentum and excitement going into the orange bowl and and i honestly regardless what happens this game for the most part but hopefully with a win you have a lot more you have a lot of momentum and excitement going into the off season too i mean having Cade and shipley there and some other guys coming along that's going to be really exciting for the next year as well you know one thing that could have been detrimental to Cade's progress this year is is after that first game at Georgia Tech, after that one drive, I mean, it was Cade mania, <laughs> and I remember at the time, like oh. on the ACC, you know, on the ACC network, everywhere, it's like it's time now to put <laughs> it, it, everything. Just looks different, and I'm like, I, I wasn't unimpressed by that drive, but I also am like, wait a minute, DJ was making throws that that he hadn't been making that he didn't make last year. You know, those opposite hash yeah. throws, no, and so I, I saw yeah. saw real progress, and so I was going yeah. into the Furman game. I'm like this might not be good for Kate. I kind of feel sorry for him because yeah. the, 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 the hype and the, just the, that came off of that one drive. I mean, it, it, it just inflated things so much to the point where yeah. when he comes in against Furman and he shows, Ooh, yeah, he's got some work to do. It was almost a shock to the system of the people who thought he was like Deshaun Watson. Oh my gosh. No, I know. Honestly, after that happened, I really just like that. Like I just kind of laughed and I was just like, oh, this is kind of just the only fitting thing to happen right here. Like this is just, of course it would, of course he would just have like an amazing drive and stuff. And that's kind of, I mean, obviously people are, you, you know, anything, you always got to have a bigger sample size to judge things. You can't. And I think I saw, I think a few people went on that night and, and I, I mean, I hope he does. I could see it. Like I could see Cade, winning a national championship at Clemson. Absolutely. That'd be awesome. But I think I thought it was funny when like everybody was saying Clemson's going to win the national championship. Like after one job, I'm like, well, what's your, like, you got to have a bigger sample size based <laughs> on saying things. So that, but I mean, obviously, I mean, it, I'm, there's a lot to be excited about. He's, he's a heck of a player, but that, that was really funny at the beginning of this year when that happened, I was kind of just like, Oh, here you go. It's going to be, going to be loud now, but it was, uh, you know, overall, that was uh like you said, DJ ended up having a good game that game. And then I, what was big in that, in that Furman game, I remember, is that we scored on like our first four drives. I think that DJ was in, and that and that was big for him too, because you know, especially at a home game, he was going to deal with just a lot of pressure. And you can kind of just, I feel like a home game can be harder sometimes, especially on offense. You're not doing well because you, you try to you're locked in, but you can just sense the overall like tension or like disappointment, yeah. like among like the fan, but like, it's just like a, it's a feeling you sense. So, and I mean, that's just a lot of pressure for, a, I mean, these are real humans that are 20 years old or something to have to deal with. And that eventually you have to get to the point where you can, and DJ really did manage that very well for most of the year and got off to a really hot start, which I mean, led to a really good start. And so, I mean, you know, end of the day, both DJ and Cade helped Clemson win games this year and they both were awesome 
teammates. So I think Clemson um, Nation should always just be very appreciative to both of them and appreciative to this team. I mean, you know, you won another ACC championship seven in the last eight years. I mean, that was just unthinkable back in the day, 11 and two, hopefully going to go 12 and two. I mean, it's just, you know, like I said, when you judge things from year to year basis, this year is now better than last year was. So I know you kind of, you fell out of the playoffs these past two seasons, but I mean, this was a step forward. So that's kind of how you have to view things. I feel like. If you're in the Eastern Midlands and PD area, and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home, commercial property, land, need to consider reaching out to Uptown Realty. They're based out of Sumter and run by a friend of mine, Patrick Enzer, big Clemson guy, used to cover the Tigers in a newspaper capacity, longtime supporter of Tiger Illustrated, longtime listener to the Dubcast. The home buying process should be an enjoyable experience, so let Patrick and his staff do all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call 803-774-0435 or go to UptownRealtySC.com. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Matt Gross is a proud Clemson alum and the vice president for the Clemson market for Founders Federal Credit Union. Matt's office is located beside the Walmart neighborhood market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business open the door to more with harris home and harris commercial their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details harris handles every step of your renovation process whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting like some of the positively stunning work they've done at clemson university go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from harris home and harris commercial 50 years from now, there will be Clemson fans who are still angry about <laughs> about Cade not going into the second half against South Carolina. Um, I thought, and, and, and we, when we talked in March, we talked about fair criticisms versus unfair. When we just talked about what we think are some unfair criticisms. Do you think it's fair? I, I want to know like whether you think I was fair in saying that that they should have put Cade in after in the third late third quarter. DJ got dinged when he got hit on his hip, and then he played another yeah. series, and he just didn't. He just looked even more off than he had been, and so that was the time that I thought, and I think plenty of people think that that that's the time you 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 bring in Cade. I know there are some there are some good arguments to the contrary. I'm just wondering if you think that 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 premise is fair. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a very it's a very, I mean, obviously that's the most natural thing to be brought up. I mean, cause then the, what, what happened in the ACC championship, I mean, that's just going to be something that's like debated about, but I think regardless, I think whether you think that he should have been put in, I don't think there's really anything that somebody could say that would convince someone otherwise of that. And I think that somebody believes that it was the right decision. I don't think, I mean, so like, Either way, you know, I think everybody's going to believe what they want to believe at the end of the day. And the problem is, is that you're never going to truly know yeah. <laughs> what would yeah. happen. I mean, it's kind of just like a lot of conversation, and that's why you do it. I mean, it's fun to have conversation and stuff, especially with your friends or among uh, fans and everything. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's – I mean, there's – there's you can make – I mean, I'm sure everybody can make good arguments on both sides. But the one thing I know is that you, you, you can't be sure what would have happened. There's yeah. so many different things. And I think um, the South Carolina game, 
I, I mean, obviously the, the DJ's stat line ended up not being good, but he truly did not. It was not as bad as that stat line reflected. There was a lot of other issues in that. And I think obviously, like you said, that's the main thing to focus on. But I mean, it, it, when you're a coach of a team, there's just, there's a lot of reasons why we lost that game. There's a lot of reasons. It's not just, it's not, I don't think it's quite as simple as just saying this one, that like there is a lot of different reasons. And I think that's kind of what you focus on at the holistic approach because, and that's why it's the same thing about being on a team. You know, nobody's going to blame Antonio Williams because he had a bad play at the end of the game. Obviously that's what sometimes fans do. Like if somebody misses a kick, but if you truly understand the course of a game, I mean, yes, you've got to, I think you want to get to a point where your program and that's what Clemson did. I mean, I started with the LSU where, you know, you're going to make those game winning plays, but you also have to drill into everybody that every single play matters. That random second and seven in the second quarter matters. It's not just about the end yeah. in the fourth quarter. And once you get that mindset, you, you know, those things don't become as highlighted. You realize that everybody plays a role in it. And I really just think that comes to South Carolina game to me, it was more than anything. It was just a team loss. It was, uh, it was a lot of bad things. As a team, um, there was things that could have been de- done better in so many different ways. So, I mean, it's, you know, I think it's obvious. I'm not, anyone can bring it up. It's a natural thing to bring up. But in my view, I just, I, I just see like a lot of other reasons why we lost. And I don't think you can just simply say that if there was one difference that it would have, it w- I mean, maybe it does, but I just don't think you could say that as a fact. Cause there's a lot of reasons that, and a lot of other things that could have happened. I mean, this is a, a very random play that that's kind of is random, but I remember when uh DJ, it was probably in towards the end of the third quarter, he threw a ball. It was going toward, it was, it was probably on the 20 yard line on Clemson's own 20 heading towards the hill. And he threw a ball where he ended up throwing it in the dirt. And I think I actually heard a lot of fans like, oh, like whatever. It was actually a really, really good play by him because he got the look to where he had double slants to the field. And he and pre-snap, that was the right read. So he immediately took the ball right as he was about to throw that slant. The D, the D tackles, it was either D tackle, D end sunk back mm. and jumped. And if he throws that ball, it's a pick. Mm. So he, so at the last second, he like, he real recognized that and threw it down on the dirt. Now that's the play that, I mean, it's another incompletion. It looks bad watching as a fan, but it actually was like a really smart play to him. And I don't know what would have happened, but who's to say that a younger player doesn't just throw that ball and it is a pick. Yeah. So, I mean, you, th- I think for the majority of the year, um, those were things that you got to give DJ credit for is that he did. I mean, obviously he had his, he had a few moments, but he didn't go out there and throw like 15 intercepts. Like he, he did protect the ball, um, well for the most part. So I think those are types of things that you have to take into play too, that maybe you have a younger guy might make more plays, but he might also make more mistakes. So it's just, like I said, you're never going to know the full answer. That just is how it is. And people can debate all they want. I mean, it really, it is, people can debate, but it's at the end of the day, I think if you're leading a, a team and as a member of a team, you have to look at yourself first. And that game was clearly a team loss. It clearly was. And in fairness to the decision making at the time, um, you know, I think everybody agreed that in the Notre Dame game, it's a tough situation to put Kate in inside the five. Yeah. Uh, well, guess where the ball was for most of the fourth quarter against South Carolina <laughs> I mean, inside that, the five. Yeah, I mean that's a that's another good example. Is like, I mean, you kind of did try that before, and it, that didn't go well in that game. So, I mean, it's 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 like I said, it's just a really 
everybody has their own way that they would have handled this situation. But at the end of the day, anybody else who is handling that situation would have been criticized by just as many people. <laughs> that, that's the end of the day. And that's why, you know, that's why people uh, get paid to do their jobs because your yes, your no affects many people. And, you know, it's very highly talked about and stuff, but I, I just know at the end of the day that kind of just being around this sport long enough is that you're never going to make that. I mean, unless you just win the national championship, I mean, you're never going to make the right decisions. That's going to please everybody. There's always going to be detractors, um, right or wrong. There's always going to be detractors. So eventually you have to get to a point where, um, you do what you, uh, you do what you believe is best, what you, what the people around you who you trust believe is best. And then, you know, whether you're right or wrong on that, the proof's in the pudding and you see what happens on over, over a long-term, uh, period of results. And that's kind of, but, but at the end of the day, people are always going to disagree with what someone does. It's just going to happen. And there's such a microscopic line between, uh, failure and like arousing success, like in that South Carolina game, if the offense punches, you know, uh, scores at the end of the first half, it was it was a nine point game at halftime, but it, they had the ball yeah. uh, with a chance in South Carolina territory. If if you make it, if you make it a sixteen point game at halftime, the game might be uh, might be over. Um, oh yeah, no, there, there's it, a lot. Of, I mean, there's so many things like that. There's so like, and I mean, obviously, and I, I think the the fumble and the kickoff return hurt, obviously. But this is another funny example of of 2020 vision. I, I heard there were fans saying after that, why are we running that trick play on the kickoff return? I was like, I'm like that. First off that trick play on the kickoff return had nothing to do with him fumbling right. 15 yards later. That didn't have anything to do. It wasn't like they did it on the exchange or something. I was like, it was a pretty dang good drawn up play. It was a perfect time to run it when they're, kicking it after a safety and it, you would have had the ball in like past the 30. And I mean, he could have had even more room to burst it. He just fumbled. I mean, you don't, but, but it was funny. And I actually mentioned this on the radio, I think is um, I heard a lot of people like so excited when we had that uh, creativity of trick play when Phil threw it to Cade in the AC championship. Let that, <laughs> let that, let that pass be a pick. Let somebody miss their block and that be a pick. You're hearing, why are we running the trick play? So like, I just like, I, you know, every, and there are certainly, there's criticism to be had on everything and you, you can make uh, good, good reasons why you should and shouldn't do something. But I just always encourage people to don't be so immediate 2020 hindsight vision, whatever the result is, say it was good or bad. Cause sometimes, you know, cause I just think a lot of people just do that. I think they just judge everything based on the result. And I don't think that's necessarily a fair way to do it. Yeah. Another example, and this certainly is not oh, pro DJ anti Kate or anything like that. This is just a matter of, uh, it's an explanation um, of what we're talking about. Like the in the ACC championship, that throwback that Cade uh, made to Specter. But I mean, oh, yeah. it was very close, very dangerous. <laughs> like if that's yeah. taken the other way by a better DB yeah. for a pick six, and then you combine that with the ball slipping out of his hand in the third quarter, just like it slipped out of, and we're not talking yeah. about a whole heck of a lot of difference. And we're talking about a much tighter game. That's not to take anything away from a tremendous, right. a tremendous night for Cade. But that, my point is just, there can be like a, such a fine line between 
Exactly. Perfection. And, and, you know, perceive day, perfection. Makes, yes. You know. Yes. And that's what makes it. That's what makes this all so fun. Is that it? Truly, is is a game of inches. And there's, and I think the longer you're around it, you just see. And I think, like I said, going back all the way to when you know them watching the film of the Carolina game together with everybody in the building, I think it's just good to do that sometimes because then you can you can at least get a little better sense of explanation because you know I think everybody. Like, you know, like you can see if you lost, everybody always wants to know why you lost. And I think that is a healthy thing to kind of help know why. But it's usually, in my experience, is not just so black and white. There's usually, it's usually somewhere in the middle, you know. So it looked like after Cade came in, I just feel, I feel bad for DJ. He looked relieved. Um, yeah. I mean, he looked like a weight had been lifted off his shoulders. Um, and then... With Cade, it it kind of some of it reminded me a little bit of the transition from Kelly to Trevor in that Kelly didn't really get the ball out that quickly on the on the horizontal stuff and man Cade, you just saw such a noticeable difference right off the bat on on that count. Did you feel the same thing? Just that how how important that is to the to the pace uh, and, and sort of the purpose of an offense in general is that ability to yeah, get well, it out I, fast? I think a great, yeah, I think a great thing that he does, I mean, yeah, he th- gets it out fast, but also like how he pushes the edge and he attacks the perimeter and his running really does make that another issue for defenses. I mean, it's like having another player on the field and I could see you kind of getting back into more of some of this, like forcing the issue in terms of, you know, maybe him pulling it and then him not just throwing the screen immediately, but rather like running kind of at a, at a diagonal angle yeah, and then like either faking a little, uh, faking a little bubble pass to the, to the outlet screen guy or, 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 and, and running or faking the run and then throwing it to hips. Like that puts the defense in a lot more binds. I think another, a good example of that always I go back to is when Deshaun did that uh, touchdown pass to Hunter Renfro and when we beat Virginia mm-hmm. Tech 42 35 in 2016 in Orlando. Uh, that was like a good little last second thing. So those are, those are good things to have to be able to, it just, it's kind of like you're playing basketball or like triple option then you so i think Cade, what he really does good of in that screen game is you know he he causes issues on the perimeter and forces the defense hand yeah and his the thing that really just jumped out about him in that game this game not that we didn't really know it um but his short area quickness is really good but good grief his acceleration and top end speed is Something yeah. special, man. No, I'm, I'm telling you, it's going to be ex- – I mean, I really think he's going to be a 4-5 or five guy like one day whenever he goes to the combine. I really, really do. So it'll be interesting to see that. I know Deshaun, I think he ran like a 4-6-4. Four, four, and Trevor, I don't even know if he ran the 40. I mean, why would you? <laughs> he's the number one pick. But, uh, no, I think Cade could, could be a 4-5. He can fly. Are you really not going to ever coach? Are you going <laughs> to stay in the real world the rest of your life? Do you know? <laughs> Do you want to get? Do you have any interest in coaching? Uh, I mean, yeah, you, I'm definitely. I mean, there's definitely could be interest there. Um, I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and say never, say never. I just kind of feel like, you know, I really felt like when I was when I graduated, and it was, you know, I, I spent some time thinking about it this spring and everything, but. You know, I've, I've, whenever I really came down to it, you know, I felt like this was just a very unique time in my life to be able to just kind of do something different. And I felt like I kind of grown up the majority of my life and I've been exposed to many things, which I'm thankful for, but for the most part, like kind of my whole life has to a degree revolved around like a football schedule, just like kind of like everything being football, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, 
but I just thought this was a really good opportunity for me to kind of just go and do something different and kind of just grow myself and prove myself and, and go learn something else. Like, I mean, I'm not, you know, I was a marketing major, so I don't even know a ton about real estate going into it, but, um, you know, it's been really good. And I'm kind of just right now, I'm just really focused on just being at all in, as, as we say at Clemson, just kind of all in on this and, uh, just doing this. Cause I always said that, you know what? I mean, if I wanted to, if I wanted to come back to football, I'll probably would be able to do that. But if I got into it, like I'm probably, you're probably not going to get out. So I just felt like this was a good time because then, you know, then I could either find something right now and like decide if this is a lifelong passion that I have, or if I end up not liking it quite as much, then it would make me appreciate football a lot more than if I had just gone straight into it. I feel like, you know, you still try to appreciate things, but it can be hard. I mean, playing five years, I mean, there's a little bit of a, there's a little bit of a burnout effect that you have. I mean, just, I mean, it's, it, I know a lot of the six years had the same thing. It's kind of, it can be a grind here and there, but you still love it at the end of the day, but it's hard to have that same level of appreciation until you don't have something um, or you, or you do something else for a little bit. So I think this is just a good time in my life, as I said, to be doing something different and, I, and I'm enjoying it so far and just kind of learning and, and kind of just viewing the, all the football stuff from as an outsider looking in. Um, so I, it's been a good time in my life, but you know, I really don't know what God has in store for me long term quite yet. But it'll be interesting to see. But right now, I'm just trying to focus on the present and being great where my feet are. And you know more than anybody how when you commit to coaching, mm-hmm. I mean, you give your life There's to it. Lot. Like, it's just I, a I, lot of pros and cons. A I don't want to say it's cons. miserable, but I would not want to do that. I mean, you, you know, you're, you're, the times, of, the amount of times in a year that you're able to truly detach and and and, yeah. and do something else is just so limited. It's, it's, it's tough. And, you know, and I, I give, and also, I mean, you know, my dad's been very blessed to not have to move around a lot. I mean, it's, but most coaches, I mean, I still look back at my childhood friend, Chris Rumpf. I mean, he, gosh, he lived all over. And his dad probably went to about five or six different schools and that's tough. And that was something, you know, I remember I'd be, I was very worried about that growing up all the time. Like I was like, man, I just hope that I could one day graduate from Daniel and be right here. Cause like, I'll just like, I just didn't want to, I just love the situation I was in. I didn't want to have to move, but every year, you know, you're worried, like something's going to happen. But, uh, and then eventually, you know, we kind of got in a place where the program had a lot of stability, which was a blessing, but, but I mean, there's no promises when you're in this profession, especially if you're trying to work your way up. I mean, you got to, you know, a lot of times you got to move around a good bit and things like that. So there's a lot of things to consider on that front. Um, but I have a lot of respect from how my dad has, uh, how he just handles it all because he does a really good job of just balancing it. I mean, he, he works as hard as, I mean, he's there to like 10 o'clock most nights, but that was all I knew growing up. But he's still like when it's time that like, he knows how to turn it off. He knows how to turn it off, which I, and there's a lot of coaches out there that don't a lot that don't. And they, if you don't end up finding a way to kind of control your work-life balance of, with football coaching, then that ends up controlling you. And it's not a healthy thing. I mean, it's everybody, you got to work hard in whatever you do, but at some point, like you're, you're human at the end of the day and it's not healthy for your own person. I mean, there's no job worth sacrificing your health or your family. There's no job. And I think my dad's has done a really good job of learning how to balance those things uh, and, and being great at both of those things. And I, and there's a lot of his coaching on staff, I think have helped follow that lead. And I think my, and honestly, I have a lot of respect for, um, 
that Tommy Bowden, because, you know, it's been better since my dad was the head coach because, like, he was able to control more. But Tommy Bowden was a good ball in the half because he let his coaches go to – he let my dad go to some of our games and things like that because he was a very family Christian man. So I just think those are very important. It's all about balancing it. You could get in a tough situation with a coach that it's all ball and there's no family or anything. Like, it's – you just – you're up there all day, every day, all year. Um, but, you know, I don't th- – I think sometimes – coaches can kind of confuse activity with accomplishment <laughs> and mm. it's just all about like being the first one in last one to leave when in reality at the end of the day you're gonna have to count on that 19 year old kid to go make the play <laughs> like yeah. you could draw up as many as much stuff as you want but at the end of the day you know you better you better recruit well and you better have good relationships with people because you got to have guys that want to play for you hard because i mean you got it you got to work hard and scheme up but at the end of the day you can do 20 more hours of work than the next guy but if they that you still count on the same player to make the play. So I think it's a, like you said, and like anything in life, it's a very, very uh, strong balance you have to have. Well, Will, I'll let you get back to your evening. Um, I really appreciate you sharing your time. I know whatever you do long term, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be great at it. I uh, really appreciate, I appreciate you. It. Um, yes, sir. I appreciate that a lot. It means a lot. And by the way, make sure. I guess I got to let your listeners know that I did get beat by your daughter in the five K <laughs> on uh, on Thanksgiving. You know I, what? I, I was I was trying. I went out there thinking I was going to win. And I see this little high school girl in front of me, and I'm like, "All right, I'll just win." And by the end, I'm trying to, and I just I couldn't catch up. Then I felt a lot better when somebody told me, "Oh yeah, she just won the state championship for Daniel Cross Country." I was like, "Oh, that's why. I was like, "That's why I couldn't catch up." You know, it was that was funny. What was your time? Oh man, I think I was like right at twenty minutes or something. That's pretty I, good. I, got, I mean, I was it was not bad for a football player. You know, I haven't really, I've never did much long distance running, but I've gotten a little more into it since I got done playing. Um, not not nothing too far, but I've I've ran more miles and stuff than I ever had before. So, yeah, it's it's good. <laughs> Yeah, I'll uh, I'll make sure uh, after I after I finish this interview, I'll make sure my tenth grader knows. Hey, you you just you, you beat you beat Will Sweeney. He was trying to catch up to you. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. How far ahead of uh, of you was she? Uh, I mean, I could see her. I could see her. So, <laughs> but but she, but I think she was. She seemed to be pretty comfortable. <laughs> I'll never she forget was, that same that same race. Uh, we've we we've done it for shoot seven eight years. And, uh, I think it was like four years ago, I was thinking I'm, I'm fairly uh, a good long distance runner, but I was thinking she might beat me this year. And it was kind of similar. She was six, 60 yards ahead of me the entire time. And there was no way I was gaining any ground on her. And so that was like oh, the, the right of passage. That's, awesome. <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, thank you again, man. It's been a, been a pleasure. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Have a good one. All right. Thanks to Will for joining us. Man, those are the little anecdote there about uh, Thanksgiving Day 5K. That's one of the many cool parts about living in a college town and stumbling on the son of the head football coach after a 5K and hearing about how relieved he was to to learn that the, (laughs) the girl, the high school girl he couldn't catch up with in the 5K won the state championship. Really cool stuff. Appreciate the support of our sponsors for their role in helping make this happen. And most of all, thanks to every one of you for hitting that play button. Really appreciate it. Cheers.